Welcome to episode 35 of The Postcast. My name is Sean Fairholm, and joining me in a few moments is my co-host, Cassie Stein. We have a tremendous show for you today as 11-time PGA Tour winner and current Golf Channel analyst John Cook joins us for a conversation. In the interview, we go into a few great stories from his career, uh, the role of technology in golf, caddy player relationships, the rise of college golf, and much more. So without further ado, here is our conversation with one of the, the truly superb human beings involved in the game of golf, Mr. John Cook. And now for the first time, we welcome on 11-time PGA Tour winner John Cook onto the postcast. Cookie, how's it going today? All is good. Thanks. Nice sunny day here in Orlando. I'm about ready to go hit some balls. Just got done with a workout. Trying to be an athlete. Oh, sounds pretty good. <laughs> We're going to run the gamut with topics today, but we wanted to start with, if you don't mind, the story of your first PGA Tour win back in 81, because you had to beat a couple of uh, Hall of Famers in the playoff to get that first win. <laughs> yes. It, uh, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a fun story. Uh, it, so 1981, it's the Bing Crosby at the time, now the AT&T, and we, you, know, you play the three courses, Spyglass, Cypress Point, and Pebble Beach. And we didn't get started until Saturday because of rain and weather. So it was a three-round event ending on Monday. Um, my partner was James Garner, good old, great old actor James Garner. We were friends for a long, long time and partners up there. But this was the first year I'd played with uh, with Jim, and he's a good player, so that was that was nice. But so we're, everybody's finishing all peninsula there on the three golf courses. Nobody really knew what was going on, and I got done at Spyglass. Had a you know had a little bit of time to wait. I think at the time I think I might have finished seven under. There was a couple other guys at seven under. There was I think Watson was at eight under or something playing. I think Clampett was playing his last hole at at Cypress Point. And uh, next thing I knew, you know I'm just kind of they everybody said when you're done, if you're close to the lead, go to Pebble Beach. If there's a playoff, that's where it's going to be. So I was just hanging around the putting green, and they said, uh, well. You know, it's over. Everybody's in, and uh, you're in a playoff. I went great. You know, who's in the playoff? And they said, Well, we don't know yet. There's, there's, there's going to be at least four, and uh, you know, there, there might be another one. So I said, Okay, well, okay. So, you know, one thing leads to another, and there's five of us in the playoff, and it's, uh, you know, I'll give you the four, and if you can remember the, the fifth, you win the prize. But it, uh, you know, so Bobby Clampett. Uh, unfortunately, three putt of the, the his last hole at Cypress Point, um, and then so he was in the playoff. And then we have uh, uh, Ben Crenshaw, Hale Irwin, myself, and a good old West Virginia boy named Barney Thompson. Barney was the uh, the, the fifth player in this group, and that's a that's a story for another day, <laughs> old Barney. But uh, yeah, I was fortunate enough to uh, you know Bobby and I and Hale uh, all birdied the first hole at Pebble Beach. Um, and then Hale and I both birdied the second hole at Pebble Beach to move on to the third hole and, uh, hit our drives just kind of in the right rough. And he hit a, you know, a, a jumper over the back of the green and I hit a really nice shot in there about four feet. Just walking up to the screen going, Oh my God, I might win. You never know. I just might win this thing. <laughs> well, you know, of course I jump in the gun on that. And, uh, so he, and all of a sudden he, he gets over the green and he he flubs his first chip shot. He's not on the green yet, and then he pitches it up there about uh, about two and a half feet. So he's inside my you know my birdie putt, 
I'm going, golly, all I got to do is two putt. All I have to do is two putt. I haven't thought of that ever. <laughs> all I have to do is two putt. You don't think of that. You think of, you know, kind of like making a putt. And so I go, God, all I got to do is just, just dribble it down there. You know, those greens at Pebble, you know, are crazy fast and slopey and they're a little bit bumpy. And so I hit this putt and it's just barely moving. And I'm going, God, just, it's kind of, it's kind of hugging the high line. It's kind of hugging the top side of the cup. And I'm saying, oh, my God, don't hit the lip because if it hits the lip, it's going to speed lip and it's going to go. And it's sure enough, it hit the lip and it speed lip down there about two feet. And I'm going, oh, my God. And I'm looking at Hale and I'm petrified. And he's looking at me and he just kind of goes. And I, at the time, I really didn't know how he meant it till later on. He told me, he goes, John, I suggest you finish. And I went, well, well, what did, now what's that mean? So I said, well, okay, well, mark my ball and, you know, go through my routine. And, you know, it looks like I calmly tapped it in, but it was anything but calmly tapped it in. <laughs> you know, it, it kind of slid in there. And, you know, so I, you know, raised my hands first, first tournament win. And, you know, afterwards he said, Hey, I, I really like you. I think you're going to be a really good player. I knew that you were, you know, first win. And I, I just, I knew that if, if you had to stand over that for some more, you know, it just would have been agonizing. I'm going to win more tournaments. You know, he was really, really kind. He just wanted me to finish so I didn't have to sit and wait right. <laughs> to make this two-footer. So, you know, I, I, I thanked him for that, and uh, that uh, that was my first win. A special place, obviously. had won the state after a few years earlier. So uh, any, any win at Pebble is a great win. Oh yeah, I'm sure, and that's a heck that's a heck of a story, by the way. <laughs> yeah, um, sure, is. <laughs> heck of a story. But your second victory was just as dramatic, beating another Hall of Famer and Johnny Miller at the Canadian Open, right? And that was a long playoff too, right? It was, it was, oh and uh, it was uh, golly. I mean, I'm now I'm I'm playing the 72nd hole, and and I'm playing with um, I forget who my pairing was, but Johnny Miller was already in at whatever number it was, and you know, Jack Nicholas, you know, and Jack, so Jack is a shot behind and I'm going, man, alive. I got to bury this last hole to get in a playoff. And, um, you know, the, the famous hole there at uh, 18 at Glen Abbey where Tiger hit his six iron from the, the right bunker to secure his win one year. Well, I, I hit a one iron from just inside where he was. So that's, that was that day and age where I was hitting a one iron from 215. He was hitting a six iron. So, um, but anyway, it was, uh, I had a nice shot in there, and it, it just rolled over into the back bunker. We had a pretty easy bunker shot, got it up and down, and got in the playoff with Johnny. And then uh, we went six holes. And the wow. first four holes were, you know, I had 10, 10 to 12 footers every hole to win, and I couldn't get one to drop. And, of course, so we played 16, 17, 18, went back to 16. We got to 17, and now he hit it inside of me. And I go, well, that that this is this is like – perfect justice right i'm gonna miss he's gonna make and everybody's gonna remember that johnny miller won this playoff and i go no nah, i'm not gonna let this happen so <laughs> and unfortunately i missed and he missed his putt and then uh on 18 i hit a nice little wedge shot in there about six feet and i i, I buried that one so uh i went six holes with uh with with johnny and you know he couldn't have been more gracious and and uh you know said the same thing that uh we're gonna win some more events so that was you know my first two wins were pretty dramatic and there was some pretty interesting uh you know hall of famers in those in those playoffs 
So you look back at your career, you did so much in amateur golf and then both on the PGA Tour and PGA Tour champions. And this is kind of a loaded question, but what is the most memorable thing about the whole journey you had from the first victories to where you are now? Oh, wow. That's, uh, like that's I said, a great lo- question. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I'd have to go in, in basically in periods. In, mm-hmm. in, and I mean that because, you know, whether they were juniors, uh, junior world, you know, California State Junior and the, you know, the state amateur, California State Amateur, um, won the U.S. Amateur. I mean, that that's a, you know, a, you know, having a, a nice amateur career and having an amateur and, and a runner-up finish on your resume. I, I think, you know, I went to college to play college golf and to be a member of a team at Ohio State, and we won the NCAA championship one year. That, to me, was, wow, That that's that's why I went to school. You know, I didn't go to school for individual accolades or whatever. The, the, you know, those were set for the summertime um, and the amateur amateur season. But when we were in college, we were winning championships, uh, Big Tens, and we were winning, you know, NCAAs, and and that that really was, you know, that that's why we grew up and you follow your school. That's why we're I'm so passionate about college sports and and in college golf, and then. Uh, you know, then just along the way, you know, had some really nice wins. That first one at Pebble Beach at the Crosby. Canada obviously was great. Um, I, I think that for me, the my most, you know, that meant the most to me of my PGA Tour career was the Byron Nelson. Uh, only because, um, you know, Byron, I have a little bit of age with, with, with Byron. Is he was Ken Venturi's teacher and mentor and Kenny, of course, was mine for, you know, most all of my, uh, my career starting when I was 14. So, you know, to, to, to get the trophy and, and accept the trophy from Byron with, uh, my oldest daughter and my son, you know, standing there next to me was about as special as it could be. And I, I know that, uh, Kenny was pretty moved and speak and it was, you know, really, really, uh, gratifying that, uh, you know, I, I had a, you know, great, had opportunity to win at, at the, at, in Dallas at the Byron Nelson. So that, that was very significant to me. I think that of all my wins, you know, even on the, the PGA tour champions, we've had a number of wins, but, uh, that, that one, that one at, uh, at Dallas was, was in the Byron Nelson was probably my most special. Absolutely. We, we all miss Mr. Nelson so much right now. And it's, uh, that's a fantastic win and great, great story. The, uh, the, the game is, John has changed so much since, you know, late seventies when you're in college and early eighties when you're starting your pro career. And for, for someone who is just getting on the tour now in, in 2017, is it a more difficult transition than, than you had, or is it hard to kind of compare the two? Sean, I think it's, it's a little bit hard to compare the two. Um, you know, we had the qualifying school where they took 25 and then you had Monday qualifying. So you qualified to be able to qualify. Um, so it was, I think that that was a pretty good way to do it. And so you, you made the cut, then you were in the next week. So we really didn't have a schedule. Um, so you just played when you played. We were professional golfers and we just, we played a lot of golf. That's, that's what we did back then. It, I'm not, it's pretty safe to say you, you didn't really make a lot of money. It, you just played for really the lame and this, you want to see how far you could get in the, you know, at the next level. Um, you know, then things started to change and the game changed. Obviously television became a bigger part of, of the PGA tour. And then, 
you know, of course the, the tiger years came along and man, it just, it, it took off. Um, I was fortunate enough to be a part of, you know, 96, 97, you know, 98 on into 2000, you know, seven was my last year, but you know, those years of 96 through the year 2001 I, or 2002, I was still pretty competitive. So, uh, I did get to see the, the game change. Uh, I, th- I, I enjoy it. I enjoy it now. I enjoy playing in the, in the eras of, you know, Nicholas and Watson and, and Miller and then the years of, you know, the, the strange, uh, Nick Price, Fred Couples era, Mark O'Mara, and then into the Tiger years. So it, you know, everything pretty much, um, you know, they, they change and they, it just, uh, that's just the evolution of golf. I like where it's going. I think it's, uh, it's exciting. There's so many good players mm-hmm. that, uh, what they've done with the, you know, the web tour being the, the feeder tour into the PGA tour. I like that because the, the players get a full year of trying to, you know, get onto the PGA tour and realize their dreams instead of a two week crapshoot, you know, where you, you, you go through one stage of the tour school, then you get into the final stage. And if you don't have your game, you don't get in. Hmm. Well, the web.com really separates that, uh, you know, getting the players to play all year and earning their way on. So, um, I like that change. I think it's, I, I would rather have 25 weeks to get on tour than, than two. That's for sure. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Back, back in that day. So, you know, you just have to accept the fact that that's the way it's going to be. And that's how you're going to get on the PGA tour. Talking about some changes that have happened. Equipment is so different now. I mean, from, from, you know, 30 years ago, and there's a lot of mm-hmm. focus on the golf ball right now. You, right. you played some venues like Augusta National that they've been forced to lengthen the course. And, you know, now a lot of clubs are being built with at 7,600, 7,700. And yeah. they're, they're so long now. It takes more resources to maintain courses like that. Is it something, is it, is it time to do something about the golf ball? I don't know, Sean, if it is time to do something about the ball. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think it can go any further. Mm. I don't, uh, I don't see rolling the ball back. I think they, they, they missed, they missed their opportunity to do all of that years ago. Yeah. How they were testing the golf ball and what equipment they were testing it with. Uh, I think it outran them. And then they got themselves in a quandary. And these, uh, manufacturers have some brilliant people on their staffs. They're R&D guys. They're in. They find ways to make golf balls better, no matter what parameters that you put on them. So, you know, to roll the ball back, you know, I, 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 I understand the argument, but my argument is I couldn't play the same. I, the way that I hit the golf ball, I could not compete with Dustin Johnson or, you know, a lot of the other guys. I, I couldn't play the same ball that they do. They can't, they, they, it's, it exponentially performs better as you have that type of speed and that type of power. Mm-hmm. And that's just, that's not my, that's just the way those are actual factual numbers. Uh, so rolling the golf ball back, I'm not so sure. It, I think that they can't go any further, you know, letting it go any further, um, you know, as far as testing and however they're doing it. Um, I do see, you know, the, the drivers and the three now go so far that just, it's mind-boggling how 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 far they hit it, and you know there are better athletes, bigger, stronger, faster, just like any other sport. Better athletes playing our game, and now they're training more as athletes, and therefore they are you know bigger, stronger, faster. But 
if you really look at the, the, the on the whole, yes, there there there's a lot of players that are really really good. They're not shooting stupid crazy scores, although Justin Thomas did that at Hawaii this year. But the scoring isn't terribly different. It's not like they're beating records by ten and twelve shots every week. Mm-hmm. They're shooting the same score. So I think golf will stay stay golf. Uh, there's just bigger and better and a lot more players being in contention each and every week. So, um, I mean, that, that's pretty much the way that I see it. I think that the equipment, um, you know, the, the, the drivers and, and the three woods in, in particular are that they might have to take a look at. Very well said. Uh, a little change in topic here, John. Seeing the game from the viewpoint of um, a t- up in the TV booth now, has your perspective on the golf changed getting, you know, to break things down while being removed from the heat of battle a little bit? An interesting cast that uh, I've, I've been on the ground and I've been in the booth. And when I'm in the booth, you really don't get to see everything. Um, you see it on a monitor. You, you see it in two dimensions. You, you're watching a couple different holes and you're reporting what's going on. And then you're relying on whoever's down on the ground. Um me doing a lot of the groundwork, that's what I, I get to see things on, in, in three dimensions and I get to see things as I would be seeing it as I would be playing. And I think that's a, an interesting perspective on, I'm doing everything on the ground, but hitting the golf shot. You know, I'm setting up the golf shot. I'm thinking exactly what I want. I've got a number on my mind where I need to fly it, where I need to finish it. Um, so that perspective, you know, really has kept me, you know, in the game and kept my mind sharp. Um, my game's not great, but my mind is still sharp. <laughs> so I'm still getting, uh, getting to use my brain power, but, uh, I really, really enjoyed being on the ground and, and walking, uh, whether it be on the PGA tour, the NCAAs, uh, or the PGA tour champions. So, uh, it, it's a great perspective. I have a, you know, the best seat in the house other than being the one that's uh, actually got the club in your hands. <laughs> so uh, I've, I've really enjoyed it and I really look forward to, uh, you know, to, you know, what, you know, this part of the business holds for me in the next few years. That was a good description. I really like that. Um, as you <laughs> mentioned, as you mentioned earlier, you won an NCAA championship at Ohio state and now we've seen a, a huge rise in popularity with college golf and particularly the championship matches, which, You've been covering um, partially on Golf Channel, which th- it might be one of my favorite things to watch all yeah. year round. But um, what do you love about college golf and just what it brings to the table? I was part of a, of a family that, of college athletes. Um, my father was you know, a, a football player. He played, at, he played football at Denison University in Columbus. He was a, you know all-Ohio guy, and you know, he did his graduate work at Ohio State, and he was a football coach, graduate assistant, and then a high school football coach, and then also a you know assistant football coach there at Ohio State, and then up to Akron University. So, um, I understood growing up what you know athletics and college athletics were all about, and I just uh, you know something about the spirit, something about you know the recruiting process, you know, out of high school. You know, whether it had been for basketball or I wasn't going to go much any further in football, but basketball, I could have, you know, maybe played a, you know, small school basketball, but, you know, golf, the, the recruiting process, I just, I loved it. I, I loved taking my visits, going to, going to college campuses and, and, uh, meeting the college golfers and, and the teams and, you know, wanting to be part of that and, and to represent, you know, the great institutions that we have in this country. 
And, uh, you know, as a settling on Ohio State, I just, I, I really enjoyed, you know, Coach Brown. He, he recruited uh, players basically that in other sports and were good in other sports. So he, he had guys that understood the team concept and roles that you were supposed to be playing and how you fit into to college, uh, you know, makeup of a team. And then going through school and just playing, you know, other great schools and good tournaments. And I, I just, uh, you know, the whole college experience for me, I just loved. Uh, I only went three years. I, 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 I should, probably should have stayed for my fourth year. I was probably going to graduate ahead of schedule, but I was really feeling that I, I wanted to test that next level. Uh, I had pretty much done everything I wanted to do in college. But to this day, I follow all the college sports. I, I just love it. And like you said, I've been fortunate enough to be able to call uh, the last two NCAA championships, the, men, the men's divisions, um, it, uh, in, in, in the finals, you know, into the match play. And, uh, you know, working with Golf Channel and working for Golf Channel, we're you know, really all in in college golf. And I think it's wonderful to show the exposure. Some of these kids will go on and be great, great professional golfers. Uh, a couple years ago, we were following John Rahm and Aaron Wise and Bo Hostler. And, you know, last year you were following uh, you know, some other really, really interesting good players, Nick Hardy, Dylan Meyer, and, you know, some of the other great ones, Brett, um, Brandon uh, Thornberry, and some really, really wonderful players. So um, I really, really enjoy just being around the college kids and how cordial they are, how much help they are to represent their schools. And that's what I remembered about being in college. Joey Sindelar was a, a big part of those uh, Ohio State teams that, that you were on a three-time All-American. He was a, a heck of a player. Do you have any uh, Joey Sindelar stories for us? Joey just is. <laughs> from the time that he got to school from Horseheads, New York, up there in that, uh, you know, the, the, the great north, uh, the northeast section of, of New York, um, we became great friends. He were Obviously, I'm being a California kid. He being from upstate New York, uh, we were different cultures, but uh, we became fast friends. We're friends to this day. He's always my partner in the in the legends. Um, it uh, the we have on PJ Tour champions, but uh, Joey just he he's so funny. Um, just the way he goes about things. He's so relaxed and. And uh, hasn't changed. He hasn't changed since day one. He stepped on campus at uh, in Columbus, and uh, I hope he doesn't change because he just is one of the, the the great great you know humans that we have on this on you know in our game. You played with a ton of incredibly talented guys, whether it was in college or uh, or on the PGA Tour. And you know, Joey went on and kind of quietly had seven PGA Tour wins and had a right, great, had, yeah. a, had, a, had a great career uh, professionally. I'm curious. I know this is a tough question, but who you feel was someone that you played with that was underappreciated or not really remembered as well as they should have been? Oh, that's interesting. Uh, Joey would be right up there. There's no mm-hmm. doubt about it. Um, you know, he he did like you said. He did win seven times on on the PGA Tour. He won at Quail Hollow. Uh, you know, great event there. Uh, so he would be right at the top of the list, Sean. I think yeah, that uh, yeah. you know there's there's a there's a lot of them. Um, you know, guys that uh, had you know nice PGA Tour careers, but you just really didn't hear much. Another name that comes to mind, he didn't win a PGA Tour event, but he was in the mix all the time. His name was Lenny Clements. Lenny from San Diego, a great, great friend of mine in Southern Cal, 
you know, guy. And we traveled a lot together, he and I and, and Mark O'Mara. Um, he was a wonderful player that uh, unfortunately didn't, you know, didn't get a, across that PGA Tour win threshold. You know, there's just, you know, so many you know great young players that have come out of college and, you know, have, have gotten better. And I think that that was the big key is you, know, you could be a, a great player in college, but are you getting better at the next level? Some didn't get better. Some were so good in college that they didn't they didn't get uh, didn't get much better. Um, but uh, you know, there's uh, there's plenty of stories out there, and and it uh, I was you know proud you know a lot of a lot of great players. John, before we let you go, let's talk about the PGA Tour and what we can look forward to in 2018. Obviously, a big topic is going to be Rory McIlroy. Um, he it was a rough year for him in 2017. He had an injury. He split with his caddy, JP. Um, he hasn't won a major since 2014. What do you think is going through his mind as he watched, you know, Justin Thomas, Jordan Spieth, and just a bunch of those young guys ho- um, host those trophies? What, what do you think is running through his mind right now? You know, if I was Rory or in Rory's camp, um, I would have to s- just, you know, sit down and take a look at the year and the last couple of years and say, where do I need to improve? Where do I need to get better? Um, am I going to get better by, you know, throwing a lot of weight around? Am I going to get better by getting stronger? Am I, I don't think so. I, I think he needs to woe back on, you know, you have to maintain, you know, your, your physical fitness. You have to do that. There's no doubt about it, but you can't be doing too much during the, the, you know, during the season. Um, otherwise your body breaks down and you see that happening a lot with these young players that are, are, are working out so hard and getting strong. They're getting hurt all the time. There's nothing wrong with that in the off season. During the during the season, it has to be more of maintenance and and keeping your body long, your body healthy. Uh, I think he's going to look back and say, okay, what do I need to do? What do I need to change? And what do I need to get better at? The second thing he needs to get better at is he needs to be an iron player. If you look at his statistics, he drives the ball as good as anybody or better than anybody. But he is far, far down the list on proximity to the hole, greens and regulation, wedge game, uh, everything about being a, a, a champion like he was a few years ago. He has gone you know, down in, in all those categories. So he's going to have to get back and, and really get into honing up his, his, his iron game, um, his wedge game, tightening up his line. Just getting the golf ball closer to the hole to give himself more opportunities. You need to be a, a very, very good putter to win on the PGA Tour. You don't have to be a great putter. If you are a good ball striker or a great ball striker, that's what wins major championships, and that's what wins tournaments is ball striking. And Roy's ball striking really has gone down the last couple of years. So you know, my suggestion to him is take a look at your statistics. Go take a look at Dustin. Go take a look at uh, you know Jordan Spieth, Justin Thomas. They have all incredibly improved their ball striking, especially Justin Johnson for as far as he hits the ball and now being one of the best wedge players in short game, you know, anything from not, he's one of the best. No, re, no real mystery on why he's extended to the top of the world. Hmm. And, uh, and the same with Justin Thomas. No, there's no mystery on why he's ascended to the top of the world is because he's followed up his great, you know, great length and great driving ability with tightening up his iron game and his wedge game. And that's how you win major championships, and that's how you win a lot of tournaments. And I think Rory might have forgotten a little bit about that. 
Last question before we let you go. Do you think, uh, what do you think of all the caddy changes, just not on the PGA Tour recently, obviously with Phil, Jason Day we just learned about, and and like we said, Rory, but with Lydia Ko and others on the LPGA, um, do you think the caddies nowadays have a shorter leash than they did um, back then? Well, that's interesting. I I employed probably every caddy that's ever caddied on the planet. I, I've, had, <laughs> I've had 100, and they've all been great, great, you know, pieces of the puzzle, uh, no doubt. I've had Hall of Fame caddies. I've had Bruce Edwards. I've had Tony Navarro. I've had Greg Rita. I've had, you know, I've had, um, you know, just, a, you know, Joe LaCava. And I used, I used to have a lot of these guys just on their weeks off when, you know, when Watson wasn't playing or Fred wasn't playing or, or uh, whoever wasn't playing, I was a pretty decent off-week bag. I've also had, you know, guys work for me for, you know, two and three years at a time and, and and even longer than that. So I've also I've won a lot of golf tournaments with best buddies on the bag from high school. <laughs> so it's it's an interesting it's an interesting topic, and I, I have a great appreciation for you know the the world of we call them the, the turf tournaments instead of just caddies. I mean they're they're very good at what they do. They're they're wonderful with their craft. They're serious about what they do. Um, but the, when you spend eight to 10, 12 hours a day together for a long, long time, things can get strained a little bit. And, and the last thing that you want, you become such great friends and such great, you know, compadres. And, and it's the last thing you want is to, to go to work and, and not be with the, the person that you want to be with or that you need to be around. And that's where it gets a little bit tricky. So, uh, it's, it's, it's no, no again, it's, it's not a shocker that you know some of these great caddy player teams are are, are splitting. Um, it happens. It, it happens to everybody, and uh, it's you know it's like I said, it's a very important piece of the puzzle. But it does come down ultimately to the the person that that is holding the club and and ma- making the final decision. And I think that uh, I, I always say that you know we have our names on our bag for a reason. We're all really really good at what we do. <laughs> And the best caddies are the ones that are there for support, are there with the, you know, with nation. They're also there to let their guy go, to let let the player play golf. And um, that, uh, you know, that probably won't won't be popular with a lot of caddies, but you know, that's just pretty much, you know, the the, the way it is. I also say that we really, really appreciate the hard work that they put in. And uh, when you have a a player, a caddy that is very dedicated to what he's doing and doing his homework and getting out there and charting the course, having the, you know, have, having the course charted before you get there, you know, that's part of the program. So um, to aspiring caddies out there, if you want to be a good one, that's what you do. And to all the players, you know, you, you make the final decision and off you go. So you know, it's interesting in the turnaround. And, um, you know, I think the, the it's ultimately up to the player and the player – uh, like I said, you don't want to go to the golf course not wanting to be with the guy that or the the girl that you're going to be with. So um, it uh, it's just uh, part of the game. Part of the game that the turnover is uh, just part of that that cycle of golf. Very cool perspective, John. Thank you so much for joining us. That was uh, that was a lot of fun. Thanks for coming on. Anytime. I enjoyed it. Thank you very much. 
Wow, what an interview that was. Thanks again to John Cook. That was just incredible. His stories are probably some of the best on tour. And, and he was so insightful, wouldn't you say, Sean? Definitely. And we'll forgive him for being an Ohio State Buckeye. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, my favorite part about this whole interview, honestly, was when he was describing being an on-course analyst um, versus being in the booth. I've never heard anyone describe it in that nature. And I found it so interesting, like how he said he was doing everything, you know, getting the wind, getting the club, you know, looking, looking at the pin placement, but he was doing everything but hitting the actual shot. I found that fascinating. I've never heard anyone describe it like that. I yeah, that was, that was really, really cool. I mean, some of the stories he had about his, his first couple of wins on tour, I mean, he played some Hall of Famers in the first two uh, playoffs that he, he came away victorious in for the PGA Tour. I thought that was really, really cool. But then the part about how he really developed into uh, to, into a golf analyst, he uh, goes out and covers college golf now. He's on Morning Drive. Uh, he's really just a, a cool dude to talk to because of how many different experiences he had. Yeah, I would have to agree. Just an all-around extremely interesting interview. I, I loved every second of it. So thanks again to John Cook for joining us. And that's all the time we have left on the postcast this week. Please follow us on our social media channels, including Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Just search Global Golf Post and you'll be able to find us. Until next time, for Sean and I, hit him straight. See you later. <laughs>